We're here to share with you inspiring stories that bring to life all the little and big ways that people bring more love, joy, laughter, and humanness to everyday life. Our focus is to hunt for those little moments that refuel the human soul and reminds us what life is really all about. I invite you to sit back, enjoy the moments, enjoy the stories, the adventures, and the journeys. to another episode of What the World Needs More of. I am joined by our special guest, Mr. Dean Jacobs. Sir, thank you for joining us. You bet. And I'm very excited. We're going to dive right in. And I'm going to ask the first question, which is, what do you feel the world needs more of? Wow, that's a great question, Jack. Um, I think the world needs more, more connection. Hmm. And the reason why I say that is, I mean, you can say the world needs more love, but unless you're connected, um, that love just sits with you. So mm -hmm. I think we need more connection, more engagement or connection engagement where we're out in the world together and not separate from the walls or you know, the walls that separate us either emotionally, physically, uh, that keep us separate because then um, that doesn't lead to a healthy mindset. It doesn't allow us to experience and receive and give love. So I think the world definitely needs more connection, more ex mm, experiencing one another on a human level. I love that. I love that. More connection, more engagement, and more experiencing one another on a human-to-human -human level. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I love that. And how do you create more of that in the world? I know, but I'd love to share with everyone listening. <laughs> yeah, well, how do we create it? You know, that's a great question too, because um, it 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 doesn't just happen randomly. Um, I I create it by being intentional about what I want to create. Hmm. I'm always telling the kids when I'm doing my school presentations and my school talks, uh, don't wait for how you want the world to be. You be that way and let the world catch up. Hmm. So. Then that begs the question, well, what kind of world do I want to be a part of? Well, I want to be a part of a world that's engaged, that's kind to one another, that cares one another for one another, that's funny, that's interesting, that's got humility, um, generosity in it, and those all those beautiful qualities. Well, I want to be in that kind of world. So rather than just sit back and hoping that shows up in the world, I find creative, intentional ways each day to be that in the world that I am around. So I always carry photos with me from my adventures around the world because I can tell that on the look of a face when I see uh, a young person who's had me in their school or who's seen my work along the way, they, they light up like a Christmas tree a little bit. And so I approach them and I give them a photo with my information on it and, and some of my framework about dreaming big and living tall to make the world better. And, and they hang it up on their bulletin board, and then I tell them a little bit of story about what that photo is. Like right now, I'm giving away a photo of parrots I took deep in the Amazon rainforest, and I tell them about those parrots. And then I ask them, you know, do you want to go see the parrots yourself one day deep in the Amazon? And you know, they shake their head and they smile, and then I go, well, put this up on your bulletin board at home or your refrigerator or your door to remind you that one day you will have opportunity to fulfill that dream too. 
and they just float away because they feel uh, in that exchange, in that conversation, in that connection that somebody validates them, someone believes in their dreams. And I just, that's my little way of contributing to uh, making the world better. I love that. I love that. Connecting on that human human level, engaging with them, validating them, seeing them, hearing them, acknowledging their dreams, and, and helping them dream a little bigger, showing them something they may not have seen before and inviting them to engage in that new vision and, and see if they can step into it and make it part of their reality. Well said. You just captured it, especially that part of helping them see that they didn't know before. Because if, if their perspective is limited, and most people's young people in particular, their perspective is limited. If you've helped stretch that perspective or that vision just a little bit, you know, that gives us a sense of possibility, right? Mm -hmm. And possibility is intoxicating. It, it gives us, it creates a sense of anticipation for the future. Another way to say that maybe gives us hope, mm -hmm. something to look forward to, to work towards kind of thing. So I kind of like feel like I'm a Johnny Appleseed here in Nebraska planting seeds of hope in the young minds and hearts of these young people to uh, uh, give them something to look forward to for a future. I love that. I love that. And I want our, our group here who is listening and community who's engaging here, I love them to get to know you more. So I'd love to know in your opinion, what is your wow factor? What makes you uniquely you? And what's one or two life moments that help shape it over the, over the years? Hmm. What's my wow factor? It's something that makes me uniquely me. Um, well, I guess that's a great question. So I'm, the reason why I'm saying that's a great question is I'm stalling for a second. <laughs> <laughs> that is a perfect way to do it. <laughs> to figure out what, you know, what do I tell you? But I guess my wow factor is I quit my job and I sold my house to follow my dream. Hmm. And people often say to me, oh, man, how do you get to do that? Why, why you? Well, I chose to. I decided that, um, you know, I was successful in the corporate world and I was doing really well, but I was on that hamster wheel. I was spinning really fast so I could have more stuff. And I started asking myself, how much stuff does one really need in order to be happy? And when I got serious about answering that one, then I go, well, what really, what's your dream? And my dream was to go explore the world. I remember as a young kid here in Nebraska, I would go on my bike and go down you know, dirt roads and or gravel roads or across town and go find new and different things to go experience. And and I found a way to do that uh, as an adult and be compensated for it and, and use it as a way to make a contribution to my community by using those experiences, creating, turning them into teachable moments to inspire us about the world versus be afraid of the world. So quitting my job and selling my house to follow my dream definitely would be wow. And that first trip lasted for two years, going through 28 countries, living on 10 to $15 a day. And I went to all the places I dreamed about that I never thought was possible, like the base camp of Everest. I slept underneath the stars, the outback of Australia, uh, walked on the white marble, the Taj Mahal, went into the heart of Africa. But most importantly, it gave me a chance to uh, test a theory and or a, or a belief, I guess, that we're more like than we are different as far as humanity goes. And now I know that because if you add up my travels, it's eight years of my life going through 58 countries. And I'm very clear that um, the goodness of the world, the kindness, the beauty far outweighs um, the, the dark sides. It's just unfortunately 
the negative narrative, as I call it, gets too much time, too much attention, steals our focus uh, away from the things that inspire us and just leave us afraid of the world versus engaged. Mm. That's so true. What an adventure. Two years. Did you say $28 a day? No, 15 to, it was oh. 28 countries, but it was 15 to $20 a day. That was my budget. Now, you got to remember that was back in 2001 to 2003, so the dollar was a little bit stronger back then, but still, you could double that and still do it. Now, I wasn't staying in really fancy places, and a lot of times I'd eat on the streets of, you know, in Bangkok and, and things like that, and you could live for less than that. Um, so if you're willing to give up comfort, which I was, I don't compromise safety. This isn't about, and I do take risks, and my risk level is different than others, but you know, it's not about like putting yourself, um, doing stupid things that put yourself in dangerous situations. It's just that we get a concept about a place based on the negative narrative in the news, and then we think the whole country's that way. And as you know as well as I do, because you've traveled it, it's not that way, mm -hmm. that the world's got a lot more, has a lot more beautiful, kind, and generous people in it and experiences that may not or probably will never be able to come to the United States. So I think it behooves us to have the capacity to do those things to make sure that we reach out. And by the way, it doesn't have to necessarily even be in another country. You could go just to the town next door, mm -hmm. down the road, and meet somebody new and have a new experience. So it's really about connecting with uh, new and different people and stretching that perspective so then you can gain insight about the world and also gain insight about yourself. It's being intentional about going into the world and finding that connection, bringing that connection to those experiences so you uplift it and leave the world a little bit better than what you found it. That's making the world better. Hmm. I love that. I love that. And with all these adventures and all these journeys, I'm curious, what would be a moment that made you feel incredibly humble along the way? Oh, boy. There's so many of those, right? Um that's the price that you pay when you travel with an open heart and an open mind is you have to experience humility. Don't have to. It's a gift to experience humility. That's one of the qualities of humanity, I believe. It would be times like when people have nothing are trying to give me everything. Mm. So if I were to be staying in somebody's little shack in Indonesia and they would make me this beautiful meal and you knew it was like the best – you got the best table setting and the best the you know the best piece of meat or best piece of fish and and uh, and you know that they don't have hardly anything but they want you to have everything um is really humbling mm -hmm. uh, to experience people's kindness and generosity um cuz uh you know we, we come from a I live in the United States. I've been gifted or blessed to live in the U.S. And that gives me access to a certain affluence. Um, and to experience that kind of generosity from people who have so little but they want to give me everything really is a good indicator of um, uh, the quality of humanity. Mm. I believe that. I believe that. I remember when I took my very first trip around the world, um, I, I came home and just recently I, I was talking to one of my family members, my aunt, and she said, when you came back from that trip, you were a different human than before. Mm -hmm. Like you said, a mind once stretched beyond its limitations will never go back to the same form. Yeah. And, and that, that concept of when I came back, my mind was stretched and it would never return to the same form. And it was interesting because as a kid, I always tell this story. 
uh, right when I was in high school was just about the time that MTV music videos were so cool. And mm. as silly as this sounds, I used to watch this one music video every morning before school. I even I, I, I recorded it on a VHS, which you weren't supposed to do, but I got a good old copy of it. And I'd play <laughs> it every morning on my VHS cassette tape there. And I'd throw it in there and I'd watch it. And it was called Hypnotized by Biggie Smalls and Puff Daddy. And it was the coolest thing. And I'd watch these guys driving fancy cars and dancing on boats and wearing mm. in this weird, you know, wind tunnel with these weird suits on and this whole peel. And I was like, man, if I could do that, that would be so cool. Yeah. And, and so as a kid, I, I gathered stuff. I, I would, you know, bought shoes and clothes and stuff, anything I could afford at that time. I'd gather and gather and gather. And like you said, at some point, something happens that you realize you have enough, but it didn't really hit me because even through college, um, you know, the school I went to in Southern California, I had more than enough. But in my mind, I always felt like I didn't have enough compared to the people around me, compared mm -hmm. to the world around me, compared to everything I could see and in, in the distance and vision I was in. Now, what's wild is as I did semester at sea. And when I came back, I remember opening my closet and realizing I just met so many people who had way less than this, but in their expression of life and how they showed up, they had way more than I did. And there was a lesson there and it wasn't about having less, it was about realizing how abundant you are if you can see and feel and touch and breathe and move and walk and have someone you love and care about and have, have a meal on the table. And I yep. remember I opened that closet I took out some trash bags and I dumped about 90% of it and took it to family and friends and, and eventually the shelters nearby and just started handing that stuff out. I'm like, I don't need it. And then so yep. many months later, I landed up going to, to volunteer and moved to Uganda to go teach organic farming in the villages. Mm. And then I needed even less. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> now, what's yep. funny is my wife and I have been realizing we as we got married and started building a little home and stuff like that we started accumulating again without being conscious about it and so yep. just recently we decided hey you know what we're gonna move every so many months and we're gonna see if we can whittle down to what we actually really need and only take that with us and so far we got it down to three like moving pallets which is about nine boxes and i think we can do better she does too and and so we're still whittling away at what we actually just need. Um, and then we can go anywhere in the world with just what we need and, yep. and realize we have more than enough, even with just that. Yep. It's a really uh, powerful, I call that freedom. Mm. Freedom to move, freedom to be, freedom to express yourself because the, all the stuff starts to weigh us down, mm -hmm. right? You know that. That's what you're saying. And uh if you have that kind of freedom, doesn't mean scarcity. It means freedom to have the ability to 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 be engaged, to move about in and within the world in a way um, that gives you flexibility. And in that, opportunities show up. Spontaneity has a chance to really express itself because you're not spending so much time and energy trying to manage all your stuff. You're just spending more time being present and generating and creating. Yeah, it, it's amazing. It's amazing as we do it. Like you said, the lighter we feel, the freer we feel, and the yep. more options that open up. Um, yes. You know, ideally, we want to be able to go, yeah, we can go there, pack it up, 
ship a couple things over and kapow, we've got everything we need to keep going. Yeah, a week later. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> right? Well, it's not like you're talking about, no, we can go there in a year. No, no, we can go there in a couple weeks if that's really what the calling is, if that's what the pull is, right? Exactly. Now, here's our next question. With all these journeys and all these adventures, we talked about a humble moment. What about an awe-inspiring moment? Ooh. Um, awe-inspiring. Well, I mean, or there's a lot of those that show up. I mean, eight years of travel through 58 countries is lots of awe-inspiring things. But there was one in particular that, even after all these times, still really jumps out to me, for me. And um, that was this when I was in Nepal. Hmm. I used to live in Seattle, Washington for seven years, and I climbed a lot of mountains in the Cascades. So I love mountain climbing and hiking in the mountains. So to be in the Himalayas was special. But one of my bucket list items, you know, one of those things we talk about that one day I'm going to do, was to go um, go to the base camp of Mount Everest. And then I got on the work world um, hamster wheel, and I forgot that dream. And it got buried, or it got buried and forgotten. And then when I was on this two-year trip around the world, I found myself in Nepal, and I spent two months moving around Nepal. And one of them, one of the trips, one of the hiking trips, I went to the base camp of Everest. And I climbed a mountain next to the base camp called Kalabatar. And I got to the top of Kalabatar, and the fog set in before I could see Everest. And I was there with a guy by the name of John Anderson, and he was from Australia, and he turns to me in his great Australian accent. He goes, you know what? Mate, I've been up here before. Usually when the cloud socks in, it socks in for the night. I'm going to leave you. And I turn to John and go, well, I'm going to stay a little longer because my gut, my heart tells me stick around. So I'm at 18,167 feet high at this point. All the clothing that's on my journey is now on my body because I know that when the sun goes down at 18,000 feet, it's going to get really what? Cold, right? Cold. So I'm hunkered down behind this rock and the wind is just whipping and blowing and then 20 minutes after John Lee's, poof, all the clouds disappeared. Mm. And there I was on top of Calabatar all by myself, the sun going down on my shoulder, and right in front of me in the golden light was Mount Everest. Oh. And like I'm just bawling at this point, like just crying like a baby because – not because I was sad but because I was so happy. And it, went, and it goes from a dream – True realities, it's priceless and timeless. And what really moved me the most, Jerry, at that time was I'd forgotten that dream, and that dream came back flooding to me all at one time mm. as I sat there um, witnessing the light unfold on the face of Mount Everest. And um, that for me will always be probably one of the most awe-inspiring moments of my journeys. I mean, I've been within arm's reach of 500 pound gorillas and things like that, but it's, it's that dream that got forgotten and then got reborn hmm. and, um, re and lived. And that will always be for me the, the reminder of like, Oh man, be very responsible, be very nurturing with your dreams. Cause it may take 20 years, which it took for that dream to come true, hmm. but it never, it didn't stop germinating. It just kind of got forgotten for a while. Hmm. How beautiful is that? A hmm. moment, and, and those are the best, the, the, where something had been planted many, many years before. It had yep. been germinating and working its way through your system, 
Yeah. Somehow, even when other people are telling you, ah, it's not worth it. Let's just go. And and it was still working. It's magic right there. And then kapow, it led you right to the moment that had been planted. Like you said, 20 years prior. How incredible. That's amazing. Yeah. So special. Thank you. And you know, it's like, um, my dream didn't give up on me. Oh, I love that. Hmm. I love that. that yeah, my dream didn't give up on me. It was just took me a while to, to, to for me to remember my dream. I love that. With dreams, sometimes there's also fears. Mm. So I'm curious, what's your greatest fear? Well, first of all, there's always fears. And anyone who people think I'm really brave because I've inter- interviewed rebel generals in the Congo, you know, uh, live with mountain gorillas, been robbed at gunpoint in Turkey, blah blah. I mean, on and on and on. I got, I could, we could tell the stories all day. Uh, but it's a matter of where you put your focus in my fr- oh, by the way, buddy, I don't know how to swim. So I've canoed the Mississippi from beginning to end. <laughs> you know, I've, I've floated 3000 miles down the Amazon and cargo ships. I've been whitewater rafting in, in, um, on the Nile in Uganda, that kind of stuff. Um, and every time I get into my canoe, I have a moment of like, <gasps> there's a little bit of fear. I've been scuba diving, et cetera. But it's on the other side of that wall of fear that there's this whole world that's waiting to be explored. And the moment we let fear stop us, it traps us into what I call the small box. And, and uh, if we get trapped in the small box, then we limit what's possible. So am I afraid? Yes. Do I go anyway? Yes. Yeah. So I, this is how I teach the kids. Always have your dreams be bigger than your fears. Hmm. And we're going to be afraid, yeah, but it's more important I want a few of my dreams. So they oh they they roll over my fears and I go in spite of my fears. And then I expand my perspective and and, get, and deepen my wisdom so I can become a, the best version of Dean Jacobs possible. So because if I let my fear stop me, it traps me, cuts off the the life force that really wants to flow through me to a certain degree. And then I feel um I always tell the kids, I always ask the kids, I mean, do you know anybody who's grumpy? And they all raise their hands. I go, well, that's because they're trapped in their box, <laughs> right? They're trapped in their box because they, you know, they won't step out of sight, outside of what's, you know, to discover something new and different and, and magical because all the magic is outside the box. The box serves a purpose so we have a safe place to sleep at night and food to eat. But the magic is out here where the learning and growing. So the next time you see a grumpy person, you can just say to yourself, oh, that's too bad. They're trapped in their box. And then send them a little love and then demonstrate to the world what it means to step outside the box, like smile at them, shake their hand, give them a little TLC. And that might be just a thing that inspires them to step out of their box. So fears. Maybe the only fear that I really have is I won't get everything done that I want to get done when my time is done. Because hmm. I have a list of things I want to do yet. I have, I have one continent left to go put my foot on. I'd like to go march with the penguins in Antarctica one day. Wow. Uh, there's there's still countries I want to experience like Bhutan, Papua New Guinea, the Philippines, South Korea, Taiwan, Japan. I've never been to Ireland. I've never been to Scotland. I haven't been to Iceland. Uh, I mean, there's – and even I could go back to some of the places I've been in the past some years ago and it would be a whole new experience because i'm not the same guy that passed through there 20 years or 18 years ago mm-hmm. so that would be all that would be all new and different um 
So, so the only real fear is that I won't get to all the places that I want to get to. Um, and that and yeah, that's it. I have, I struggle, uh, like everybody does. I struggle with trying to figure out how I'm going to get it all done. Um, you know, how to get another book out of me, uh, things like that. But th that's the journey. It's all we can either. It's our relationship to struggle. I feel that makes a difference. So if my relationship to struggle is one of this is a burden, this shouldn't be happening, then I will create unnecessary suffering, and that doesn't serve anybody. Hmm. Or I can relate to the struggle. Oh, this is an opportunity for me to learn, to grow, to find a different, better, deeper, stronger version of Dean Jacobs. So then I can use that as a tool for insights and wisdom, turn those into teachable moments and share those with young people, how they can use those experiences to not be trapped in the box, to not be stopped by fear. So then they can live a vibrant, alive, engaged, connected life. Hmm. I love that. I love that. Speaking of all the different things you've mentioned from marching with the penguins to that <laughs> next book, you have the con new continent, new countries, new experiences. Mm. What are you most excited about for your future? Mm. Um, uh, I'm excited about what's coming down the pike. Um, you know how this is organic in nature, my friend, how we start with a place. And if you're, in, if you're engaged in this process and someone who's committed to, to learning and growing and living a vibrant, beautiful life, one that makes a contribution that it's not static, it's organic in nature. And, I have been putting the pieces slowly together and I feel like I've landed on a framework, if I could use that term, or you know, a formula, a framework that will uh, that's accessible to kids hmm. that allows them to um, pull on information to help them to be engaged and connected to the world. So the way I'm always explaining it to kids is, you know, mostly we learn about the world is the negative narrative. We build walls to keep all the bad things out. But when we build walls to keep all the bad things out, it also keeps out all the way. The good stuff too. And that traps us into the small box. And then I ask them, are we supposed to live in small boxes? And they go, and they're young. They know. They go, no, Mr. Dean Jacobs, we're not supposed to live in small boxes. I go, that's right. We're supposed to stretch and blow these babies up by dreaming big and living tall so we can make the world better. And I had an email here the other day when I was in Ecuador from a parent who was in the emergency room with her seven-year-old son. He goes, Dear Jean Jacobs, I'm in the emergency room with my seven-year-old son, Ben. He cut his head open on the kitchen counter while he was playing, so we had to bring him to the hospital. And he was starting to become afraid, but then he reeled himself back in by quoting you and said, I can't let fear trap me in the box like Dean Jacobs says. So I had a seven-year-old boy quoting me to his mom in the emergency room how we can't let fear stop him. And if I'm able to help provide the framework for these kids so they don't get stopped by their fear, to keep them um, engaged connected with the world so they're that way they can make their contribution that way they can learn and live and and grow to their greatest capacity then i will have served them in a big way 
And I'm excited about that because what the universe is telling me is like, man, you got information, you got experiences, you have ways of sharing that information in a way that makes it accessible to kids that they can actually get their hands on and use as a tool to help them be engaged. And the last part that's come in recently is, you know, we're here to dream big, we're here to live tall to make the world better so we can live a life of wonder. Hmm. And that's what I've been about for 18 years. My first book was called Wondrous Journey, about my first trip around the world. My second book was called Wondrous Creatures, about animals that I've experienced around the world that I wrote about because I'm a biology major. Well, then another book will be called The Wondrous Mississippi. And then it just gives me the framework. So what's it in it for what's in it for the kids so they can live a life of wonder, which is an awe and an engagement and connection to the world uh, of admiration, one that leaves them with a sense of joy to be a part of. I love that. It makes sense, doesn't it, buddy? It does. To step into that place of wonder, to open the mind, to allow it to experience and see and feel things beyond what it's ever seen, to get out of the box. Yes. I, I, I love the, the little one challenging his mom with don't stick me in the box. <laughs> yeah, I can't let get, I can't let get trapped in the tiny box. Like Dean Jacobs says, I, uh, by the way, I bawled when I read that. I Aww. mean, you know, cause you know, like, Oh my goodness. Like he got it. He's seven years old and he's quoting me and his mom in the emergency room kind of thing. So that's the universe's way. That's life way of saying, all right, Dean, time to step up to the plate. It's time for me to level, take my mission to another level and, 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 and put this together in the form of some books. Uh, I want to create an online course that kids can then take with their parents. So if I come in and do my school visit, they can take a, a five part course with their mom and their dad or both of them to help them get that framework so they can be engaged with the world. So they can be connected. So they can be out exploring the world and experiencing it in a way that helps them learn and grow to discover things about the world and themselves. And in that process, I think that's a healthy community, a, a world that's filled with wonder that allows them to, to bloom, to blossom. I mean, because that's how it doesn't matter how much money you have or don't have. You can always just you can always step into something new and different. You can always go see something different, even if it's just taking a different way from taking a different way home from work, take a different road. See what there is to see. See what there is to hear, smell, taste, try. I love that. I love that. That sounds like a pretty exciting adventure to go on, if you ask me. Yeah, well, <laughs> becomes, everything becomes an adventure then. Because this is where we get in trouble. We kind of get in a trance, right? Because it becomes the easy path. I know. Because sometimes I go back to the same table in the restaurant. <laughs> That you're one of my favorite restaurant kind of thing. But, you know, you have to be intentional because I had a psychology teacher. He always called it the cow theory because the dairy cows always went back to the same stall all the time. You know, so we use less stress and or we have less stress into making decisions. So we have to be intentional about the decisions that we make in this regard. Um, if we want to learn, if we want to grow, if we want to experience something different to live a life of wonder. I love that. I heard it said, I think it was Duke University, they said that 60% of what we do every day is an unconscious habit that's been formed in our nervous system. Perfectly said. I'm going to quote you on that. I'm going to pull that, right? That's exactly, <laughs> exactly right. And what I'm, I, if, if I can move that to just 55%, buddy, um, mission accomplished, right? That's right. 5% more wonder, 5% more mm -hmm. life, 5% exactly. more 
actively, consciously being in the world. Yeah, exactly. Versus being in the trance. That's right. So then we then we serve our community, don't we? Then then we serve the people around, and it becomes a much more alive, engaged, and connected um, community. And when I say connected, I'm not talking about technology. I'm talking about looking somebody in the eye, shaking their hand, giving them a hug, giving them a high five, giving them a thumbs up. By the way, that's my symbol for making the world better: is thumbs up. So when I tell the kids, because when I make my circle to make the world better, I end it with a thumbs up. And I tell them, when I see in the hallway, the way I know you're committed to making the world better, give me a thumbs up. When I see in the cafeteria, the way I know you're committed to making the world better, you give me a thumbs up. So I'll be walking down the hallway, and the and the first graders, they look up and they see me, and they give me two thumbs up. <laughs> like, declare into the world. Declaration. I'm not here just to go through the motions of life. I'm here to make the world what? Better. Then magic, that pulls us in to step out of the box of familiar, right? If we're here to make the world better. That's right. I love it. I love it. I love it. So we're going to switch gears slightly. Okay. Uh, we're going to jump into the second section. There's only three questions in this section. We call it nuts and bolts. It's more of the tactical, uh, tangible, practical. Someone listening can go do this right now, which there's plenty that you've already shared that they can. We're going to uh -huh. challenge them a little with these questions. And, and the first one is, uh, where do you spend the majority of your thoughts and time and life each day right now? Well, at the moment, because I'm back home in Fremont, Nebraska, um, uh, my office is in my home, so I spend a fair amount of time here. Mm -hmm. uh, I have a favorite coffee shop in downtown Fremont called My Lady, and I go down there uh, just to get a change of venue. Um, I go for walks. Uh, we have some state parks just outside of town that have lakes. So I go for a stroll through that. And then I, um, um, my brother has a ranch up in North, uh, Northern Nebraska, North central Nebraska. Mm -hmm. And I go up there and spend time out in the country. Mm -hmm. It's really important for me to be outside mm. uh, to be around nature, to listen to the wind, to listen to the birds, uh, to feel the sun, uh, to look at the Milky Way those kinds of things. I, I find peace and um, connection in that way. So I spend a lot of time outside when I'm not sitting in front of a computer screen. I try, I try to break this screen time up as much as possible all the time. And the less time I can spend on the computer uh, um, and the more time I can be outside, the happier I am. Mm, I love that. I love that. And <laughs> in, in being in your flow, in, in being in your process, what's something that you would say is a key to your success in, in staying connected to nature and being outside and, and keeping connected to everything you just described from seeing the Milky Way to, to visiting people in the local coffee shop and every place you go? What's a key to your success? Being intentional about that. Mm -hmm. uh, um, instead of saying, all right, I'm going to go for a walk when I got time or I'm going to go up to the ranch when I got time or I'll slip down to the coffee shop when I got time. No, you have to actually put it on the schedule. You got to like say, all right, these, this, this amount of time, I'm going to go do this. And then being present, uh, you know, being there, being present. So in other words, it doesn't serve me to go to the coffee shop and then my mind's thinking about something else mm -hmm. or to go th through a walk in nature or go look at the Milky Way, but I'm thinking about an email I got to send or something like that. No, just to be in the presence and the wonder of life mm -hmm. and, and appreciate uh, the gifts of beauty, of the awe of how life expresses itself right in front of me at that moment in time. So I'm left with a sense of gratitude. I love that. 
be in the presence and wonder of life so much so that you're left in a sense of gratitude. Mm -hmm. I love that. And yeah, well, you know as well as I do, right? If we're not, if we don't have a sense of gratitude for life, uh, eventually the batteries wear out, and then we just go through the motions, and then we slip down into cynicism and resignation. And then we get grumpy, <laughs> right? Going back. They were trapped in the what? We're in the box. In the box. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I love it. We have one final question here. Okay. It's real simple. What's one actionable tip that can help others who are tuning in and listening right now experience this kind of success? The kind of success where they're in the presence, they're in the wonder of life so much so that they can experience that true sense of gratitude. What's something that would help them do that in their life? Uh, well, there's several. I guess the first thing I would suggest to somebody who's trying to find their way in this conversation is um, I go to bed every night writing in my journal. And even if I don't write in my journal, I say it in my head. Sometimes I say it out loud to myself at the end of the day, three things I'm grateful for. Hmm. I love that because then it doesn't matter where you're at or or what your dynamic is, it, it frees you up. Uh, that would be one. And, and and from that place, find something to contribute. I had, a, I had a kid once ask me in Rwanda when I did one of my presentations, a student asked me, after the end of this school presentation, he goes, Mr. Jacobs, what's the most important thing you can tell me about following my dreams? And I stalled for a second because I'm like, what am I going to tell this kid? Rwanda is one-seventh the size of Nebraska, has 10 million people in it. Which means like if I was in Nebraska, there'd be 70 million people. It's, it's kind of crowded. I go, well, the most important thing I could tell you, and this would be what I would say to your listeners in addition to the gratitude. I like the gratitude journal because it's something you can physically do. And then the intention would be this, find a way to give more to life than what you take from it. Mm. What does that mean? That means if you're living in a grass hut in Rwanda, plant flowers on the outside to make it beautiful. It means if you see your neighbor toiling in the field right next to where you live, don't wait for him to come ask you to help him. Go help him. Find a way to give them more life than what you take from it. And I promise you, uh, life cannot stand a void. So that energy that you're giving to the, your world to make it better will be filled with with something beautiful. Mm. I, I love that. I love that. Find a way to give more to life than whatever it is that you're currently taking. Yeah. And that way you're always adding more. Yes. And. That. And, and, and is there any limit to the human capacity? Not that we know of. Oh, huh? People try to put limits on it, but I think it's expanding again and again and again. I agree, buddy. So that means it's unlimited opportunities to contribute to make the world better. But what that does is it forces, it, it forces us to put our focus, our attention on contributing, on connecting versus just sitting there trapped in a box. I love that. I love that. Well, sir, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for sharing with us. 
My pleasure, man. Thanks for who you are for the world and making your contribution and reaching out to, to these communities to add to the quality of their life so we can create community and connection and, you know, and make the world better, right? Of so course. I, I'm honored to be a part of your, your, your program, and I love who you are for the world and, and your beautiful wife, Amanda. And I, I acknowledge and commend you and, and challenge you to continue to grow into who you are. Well, thank you, sir. If it's okay... I'm going to do a shameless plug for you. If you're <laughs> listening around the world from any, any organization who needs an incredible speaker that can take your students or faculty or people or employees or anyone on your team on a journey and help them experience more life, more of the world, more of themselves, and, and show them parts of the world they've probably never seen or experienced, but take them on that journey, uh, please please look in the show notes of this episode. We have Dean's website in there. Click it, go there, connect with him, engage with him, have him out to come and, and, and converse with your organization because um, I've experienced it firsthand myself and, and he's a wonderful human with a huge heart who can give so much to your community and organization and schools. So please engage with him. Please have him out. Uh, remember, go to the show notes. It has all the links. You can click it and go straight there. Um, and, and we'll, we'll also make sure that when we send an email out about this episode, we include all those links there too, as well. And, and Dean, again, thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure, buddy. Thumbs up to you. <laughs> Two thumbs up coming from this direction. All right, man. And for everyone who's listening in, if you like what you're hearing, if you're loving these episodes, make sure to click subscribe, make sure to go to the show notes, click on the links, engage with Dean. And uh, make sure that if you know someone who needs to hear this, you share it with them. We believe here that sharing is caring, and we like caring people, so make sure to share. And, and thank you so much for everyone who's tuned in. We very much look forward to seeing you next episode. 